Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Michael is on the line from Detroit right now. How are you, Michael? Hey, Frank. How are you? Good to, good to hear you. Hello, hello, listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm kind of... I don't know what to say. I'm I'm brokenhearted. I'm sad. I'm offended. I'm angry over this whole grand jury thing. And I wanted to know what your take is on it and what your reaction is. But first, I have to ask you this. How would you define church militant? I one time came on the air and called it a radical group. And people like ripped my head off saying you're not radical. What, what are you? What would you say you are? We're Orthodox Catholics who are fed up with the garbage in the church. Okay. So we speak about it exactly as it is, which is garbage, and interestingly enough, the special report, live special report we just aired a little over an hour ago, a couple of minutes before we went on the air, and we were able to get it on the air, Cardinal O'Malley from Boston said that he uh, issued a statement saying, Catholics have lost complete faith in us, the bishops, and the civil society has lost all confidence in us. The clock is ticking on us. Now, this is what we have been saying here for 10 years, that the malfeasance, the lack of, of supernatural faith on the part of many members of the hierarchy, the evil, the garbage, the filth that they have allowed into the church with regard to lack of teaching, with regard to uh, homosexual predator priests. Uh, I mean, just you just go down the list. I mean, these men have to pay for this. They need to be held accountable. And I don't know if Cardinal O'Malley is now just stepping forward, saying something to kind of, you know, look like he's appearing on the side of everybody. But, uh, you know, his words are true. What the intent behind them is, I don't know. But those words are true. You know, Michael have simply lost confidence. And and this is what this is what we do here. We, We started off just trying to teach the faith and immediately ran into a buzzsaw that the hierarchy and many priests didn't want to talk about the faith. They want to advance liberal political causes, and we said no. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough story for me personally, Michael, because I, I'm one of the victims that I, I never talked about, but I did when this grand jury report came out. And so it just becomes like so, so, you know, so, so hard for me to, to kind of uh, talk about because I, it brings up a lot of memories. But yesterday when we talked about it, I made this statement and I said, you know, here's what I think your reaction should be if you're Roman Catholic. I think you should flood the churches. You should be in church. And man, I got criticized for that. Oh, no, nobody should go to church. Everybody should stay away. And then I got people saying, yeah, go to church, but don't give them any money. And I noticed on your website, you have an editorial called A Call to Arms, Only Donate with Restricted Purpose or Not at All. What's that? That is absolutely correct. Look, much, much, heck, all of this malfeasance that has been going on. You know, where is the money coming from to pay out all of, for all of this, this sexual abuse? It's coming from the collection plate. Or it's coming from insurance companies, and the premiums are paid for by the from the collection plate. Uh, many, many, many of these predator men, many of them gay who should never have been ordained, live a life of luxury. They do nothing. They sponge off the church. Uh, no, 
you know, there because of the way our blessed Lord set up the church, the laity have no authority, so to speak, in the church. Bishops do. But laity do have money, and none of this happens without money. So, absolutely, they need to get the message loud and clear. And frankly, until there is a mass wave of resignations of the bishops, this ain't over. They need to be held accountable. They can't. They don't get to sit there and cry and, oh, we're sorry, and this is awful, and we're ashamed, and we're angry. No, that's the laity's reaction. Your response is, I have had some part in this, and I resign. And I go spend the rest of my life in prayer and penance. That's the only acceptable answer for these men. Not, oh, we share your anger and your shame. You've all been part of this cover-up. Now, you may not every single one of them, but the vast majority. There is no way a monster like Theodore McCarrick rises to the position he had. There is no way that somebody like Worrell rises to the power he has in the church without many, many, many clerics complicit, complicit in all of that. None of this is a secret. You know, I'm just some little layman who came back to the church 12, 12 13 years ago whenever I returned to the faith. I started hearing all this stuff. For the first, I'm thinking, why would I hear all this stuff? I'm just a nobody out in the middle of Detroit, and I know all about this. All of this, all of this stuff about McCarrick was online 10, 15 years ago. Depositions posted online, and these cardinals sit there and lie through their teeth. And I had no idea. Now, now Michael, 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 you make me crazy because we're out of time. But I think I'm going to call you tomorrow and see if we can't extend this conversation. Would that be all right? Sure, that would be fine. Okay, thank you very much for calling. Michael, thanks for calling back. Hey, Frank, very much. Thank you for having me back on. Now, we got, uh, we got uh, shortchanged on time yesterday. Well, <laughs> I, but, but we, and when I was talking to your office, they, you know, they were trying to explain to me how busy you guys were based on this scandal. Yesterday you were in a staff meeting and they said today you were doing special reports. But before we get into that, can you, j- just for the benefit of people who have tuned in, tell us who you are and what Church Militant is? Uh, Michael Morse, I'm the, the founder of a Catholic apostolate, a Catholic media apostolate, uh, which teaches about the faith on one side of the platform and then teaches about uh, bad people in the church uh, not teaching the faith. Uh, and uh, I, I think most people are probably familiar with some of those uh, awful headlines, the most recent one, of course, in your guys' home state there in Pennsylvania. So, Yeah, you know, when uh, when when the, the Father Martin thing you know, uh, was the situation that introduced me to Church Militant, you were portrayed as a radical fringe group, and I was told, be careful, be careful. When something like this happens, I'm almost grateful that Church Militant is there to kind of be militant. Yeah, I will. Thank you. And I, I, I think there are an awful lot of people that are, you know, coming around, you know, to this. I, I have to say that, you know, we, uh, our work here, we've built this work on the shoulders of giants, really, uh, Catholic giants who, before the Internet, uh, before you know, before that technology, were sort of reduced to being very marginalized because all they could do is write some pamphlets and publish books and all of that. So they were extremely dedicated Catholics who understood that this evil had penetrated deeply into the church, and they didn't really have a way to sort of get the word out. And I think that's probably part of how so many bishops over the decades, and even a large number of the current ones, have just sort of felt like they've kind of had license to get away with everything, because in the Catholic world, the bishops control the organs of communication. It's kind of like the Communist Party in Russia, you know, controlling Pravda. 
uh, you know, nothing gets repeated that they don't approve of. And uh, that's really how it was for decades and decades and decades. And it really wasn't until really just the last 10 years uh, that, uh, you know, a, a Catholic laity, independent media, uh, uh, who do not rely on, you know, the bishops to, you know, give them money or, you know, have access to them or whatever. I mean, there's barely a bishop in the country that will even talk to us, much less, you know, give us, you know, grant us on-camera interviews and make us look legitimate and all that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, the truth, you know, as the philosopher said, truth is like water. It always finds a way. And it's the Internet technology which uh, many of these crooked bishops, these deceitful, crooked, lying, homosexuals, raping, sex abuse, covering up bishops, never counted on uh, the Internet. You know, you know Michael, uh, when I'm doing my show prep, and I know you're a former broadcaster so uh, you know, in te television, so I know you understand this. When I do my show prep, I read all the, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post and all that, and I read your website every day. And, and one of the things that I'm finding now is it's a great source of information on how, how what happened here in Pennsylvania is now sparking other places to do investigations. Like your, your website is talking about New York and Nebraska. Yep, yep. We had uh, a special report we just wrapped up about an hour ago, uh, the live special report, which is why I had to join you a little later. Uh, so we, we did the special report and kind of raced into uh, chapel for evening prayer. We say evening prayer. We have a, a beautiful chapel in our studio. People go on the site. They can actually look at it. Uh, so we go from the special report racing into chapel. Uh, and then I had to go back and have a little bit of a post-mortem on some technical problems we have. I'm sure you're very familiar with that. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> We're the poster child, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, our, our the focus of our special report was uh, uh, the New York Attorney General, Barbara Underwood. Uh, we spoke with her, her office, uh, yesterday afternoon. We actually tried to hunt them down for, my goodness, I, I think it was most of the day. We had a tip. Uh, a, a very reliable, credible source tell us that a uh, that they were actually hot on the trail of this. They wanted to see what the status was, the status was of uh, all of the sex abuse cover up by you know gay priests, you know, and you know the bishops covering up for them and all of that in the New York Attorney General's office. We were never able to quite find out what sparked their interest besides just. Hey, Pennsylvania just concluded this. But anyway, whatever sparked their interest, their interest is sparked. And uh, so we spent most of the day yesterday with that tip, chasing them down. And we finally got uh, uh, Barbara Underwood. She's the attorney general uh, for New York. We finally got her spokesman on the phone. And, uh, uh, and then that person gave us the, uh, a little quote, which said, yes, as a matter of fact, uh, the way it works in New York, the state attorney general's office organizes a grand jury, but the individual county or municipal district attorneys on the state level uh, are the ones who uh, are the ones who would actually sort of begin the process as like a scattergun thing across New York. I, I think, if I understand correctly, in Pennsylvania, 
it was uh, the state attorney general's office, you know, sort of does the whole thing. Yes, it was and, a state. You know, it was a statewide grand jury uh, convened by our attorney general. Now, Michael, I'm going to ask you to hold on, but but the sure. Pe- Pennsylvania papers are loaded today with information about about calls that are coming in for a cardinal who was a former bishop in Pennsylvania to resign, and I want to ask you about that when we come back. Michael Voris, Church Militant. Back to our conversation with Michael Voris of Church Militant. Michael, can you explain what's going on with this request for a cardinal to resign? Yes, he is, uh, I don't want to say beloved, uh, but he is the former bishop of Pittsburgh. uh, And uh, he had been there from 1988 until uh, 2006. And he replaced, uh, in 2006, he moved to Washington, D.C., and replace the now disgraced homosexual predator, uh, former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. Now, I've been buddies with McCarrick for, you know, decades. Uh, they both sort of rose up the Episcopal ladder, uh, career ladder, slightly uh, in parallel tracks, roughly. Um, McCarrick's about 10 years older than Whirl. Uh, but nonetheless, they followed the same career path. They were. You know, they both, uh, you know, McCarrick was an actual abuser himself. You know, he, he, that all came out June 20th. Uh, and then Pope Francis had to uh, strip him out of the uh, College of Cardinals, uh, you know, a few few weekends later. Uh, I think the same, given the momentum now against Cardinal World, uh, when he went to D.C. from Pittsburgh, he was bishop in Pittsburgh, and he went to D.C. as archbishop, because that's an archdiocese, and then it's a typical uh, diocese that you become a cardinal in. Uh, so he's cardinal world. And he built quite the uh, facade of an empire around himself, of being sort of the reasonable voice and the, uh, uh, you know, the kind of leader of the American hierarchy. He's very, very well connected in Rome. He has been, during his time in Pittsburgh, uh, he was the uh, right-hand man, really sort of the protege of, of people that many of your uh, many of your listeners may remember from days ago. Cardinal Wright uh, was Bishop Wright, John Wright, uh, and Wool was really his protege. So when he came back to Pittsburgh, he's a Pittsburgh priest. When he came back to Pittsburgh as the uh, uh, as the uh, bishop of Pittsburgh, he was very well ensconced in the uh, sort of the the, the uh, machinery of the bureaucracy of the church, and he had lots of connections in Rome. Uh, many of those connections were part of the gay mafia. Uh, the the lavender mafia that they talk about, and uh, he's really been he's been kind of a kingmaker. I mean, if you were to look at McCarrick, McCarrick was sort of the kingmaker of the Church Catholic Church in America for decades, and when he moved off the scene, and then World stepped into his shoes, he sort of just you know the 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 baton passed to him, and he became the kingmaker. And lots of the other bishops in the United States, many of them are cowardly. Uh, took their lead from him. Uh, so many of the many of the abuses in liturgy and sacraments and everything uh, were uh, they weren't introduced by Cardinal World, but they were certainly propagated by him and advanced by him and promoted by him. And many of the bishops in the country took their uh, took their nod from him. They're like, oh, it's Mister Powerful Cardinal World. Well, one of the things they apparently also took their lead from from him was uh, how to cover up 
uh, you know, uh, young men being, you know, sexually assaulted by gay priests. And, uh, you know, this is really a case of, you know, the chickens have come home to roost. I do not see how by this time next week, I, I just don't see him still uh, having any position. I mean, there's an awful lot of pressure now on Pope Francis. Now, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, the original statement yesterday was uh, from the Vatican, no comment. Then later in the day, we got this statement and it said, you know, we're on your side, which, you know, I, I just kind of wonder what that means. And then today, are, are you familiar with the whole controversy about Bishop James Timlin in the Diocese of Scranton? Yes, I am. Okay, well, we got a statement from the diocese saying that they um, they are conducting a formal assessment, uh, and I'm trying to think what this is. They're doing uh, they're they're doing a formal assessment to find out, you know, what his future role should be. And and when they say that they're doing this, and then they're going to ask the Holy See to determine uh, his canonical status, it feels a little bit like the fox watching the hen house here. I, I don't know what we really can expect here. Well, there is that sort of dimension, but again, the problem, look, a lot of these guys, especially the older ones, have grown up in an institution where they're completely unaccountable. They're accountable to no one. As long as they didn't commit a crime that became known publicly, they're pretty much left alone. So, you know, you have a good number of bishops around the country who kind of went to bishop school to sort of train to become monarchs in their own diocese. And, you know, they, they're unaccountable. They, they don't, uh, you know, if you tell them something they don't want to hear, they destroy you. Uh, it's just how they operate. It's sort of that thing. It's an old guard mentality that they just really have not understood that the, the earth beneath them has shifted. And people now want accountability. And people have access to the knowledge. They have access to the information. And that becomes the big bugaboo here because i can tell you these guys have lots of hidden information all over the country in diocese after diocese there are files jam-packed with abusive priests and complaints from people and buy-offs you know to keep people's mouths shut every single diocese in the country has this is how they operated when the whole sort of homosexual mafia invaded the church and it began sort of in the late 30s to the early 50s, that whole era then. But by the time the 1960s came, they had kind of spawned and, you know, sort of self reproduced their own, so to speak, by blocking good guys from becoming priests and actively going out and recruiting other homosexuals. Now, now Michael, the Michael, this is going to, this is going to be, you know, it, we only have about four minutes left, but this is going to be a tough thing. Here, here are some of the texts that are coming in. Frank, I'm having a hard time designating this as a gay issue. Uh, pedophilia is evil incarnate. Please ask you, this is another one. Please ask your guest why he's talking about gay priests in our state. When actually we know a number of, of priests who also got women pregnant. Um, and, and so, you know, it, the, some people are suggesting that you are over gay bashing. No, okay. I, well, I'm, I'm, glad I'm, I'm glad for the opportunity to be able to address that. Uh, the first go around of this in 2002, following the Boston Globe report, uh, the bishop set up a commission and said, let's study this, get to the bottom of it, what was it, blah, 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 blah. And those statistics that they bore, they, they, they bore out was approximately 85% of the cases of sex abuse were against teenage boys. That's not pedophilia, first of all. That, that term is actually a phobophilia, and the difference is 
is somebody uh, attracted to sex with somebody before or after puberty. And that's sort of the mark. If it's before puberty and it's a little boy, it's pedophilia. If it is post-pubescence, so, you know, what are 12, 13, that, you know, 11, 12, 13, whatever, depending on the boy, uh, then it becomes a febophilia and it becomes a specific subset of a, of a febophilia when it's male on male. That's pederasty. 85% of the cases in 2002, stretching all the way back to the 1940s, 85% of the sexual abuse cases were homosexual. They were men preying on teenage boys. Now, as you start to go through the report here, uh, yes, of course, there are some women that were abused and, you know, horrible things happen. But again, start to go through the report. You go through these thousand cases, the actual thousand victims. I haven't gone through and numbered all of them, but in our initial research here, hundreds of these are males. Now, if you look at how the how the incident would occur, incidents of this would occur out in the general population, where roughly 85 to 90 percent of the abuse uh, of sexual abuse is man on woman out in the general population, people just walking around on the street. But inside the church here with these clergy, it's completely the opposite way around. All right. Now, Michael, I, Michael, I got, I got to interrupt you again. We, we have one minute left, and, and I'm sure I'm going to be bugging you again in, you know, in the future about this. But in one minute, can you, sure. can you tell people what they should do this weekend regarding church? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. If there was ever a time to have to attend church and go to church, this is it. Uh, I mean, you know, look. The Catholic Church has been around for 2,000 years. It's been through many crises and all sorts of different places all over the world. And what has always resurrected the Church is the holiness of the laity. They have knuckled down and they've said, yep, you know, this, look, this is what we believe. These are challenging times. I mean, there's all sorts of heresies. The Church is rife with history of fighting heresies and things taking over. And if there's one thing that I think is sort of good coming out from all this, not that the stuff happened, it's evil, it's horrible, wish that it never happened. But in response to it happening, that all of this is now coming out, and believe me, an awful lot more is going to come out. <laughs> all right, Michael, we are out of time. I am grateful. If you want to read more, folks, go to churchmilitant.com. We'll All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.